0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. In the talk today, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. Uh, Chapter 19, you can use your phone if you'd like to look it up that way. To get us started found a website, buzzfeed.com, that was listing apparently some of the worst financial advice anyone had ever received. There were 17 submissions that they took note of. I'm just going to make note of a few of them. The first one was, here was somebody got this advice from their uncle. One of my uncles once told me that I never really had to pay my phone bill. He suggested that I simply jump to another carrier and let the first company cut me off. Apparently, that was bad advice. By the way, that's bad advice. Some of you are going, oh, I never thought of that. Here you go. Once you cut up the credit card, you don't have to pay it. More bad advice. Number four was let's go to the casino and double your paycheck." Apparently bad advice. Number six I took note of, take out a student loan. You'll be able to pay it back easy when you have a degree. So apparently, it's questionable. All right, get it at (laughs) Rent-A-Center. Apparently was not great financial advice. I found a bonus one on another website. Going to the emergency room is totally free. Apparently not true. A few of us are probably going, it's not? I thought it, oh no. Okay, so anyway, I use those little pieces of poor financial advice uh, to remind us of a couple things. Uh, First of all, uh, what we believe about finances is a big deal. How we approach finances are a big deal. And most of us just know this because finances... And our financial practices have a huge effect on our life. Amen? Like, that's the reality. It affects us relationally. Uh, I think it's still true. Second most common reason for divorce, financial stress. If you didn't know that. Uh, It affects us relationally. It affects, affects us emotionally. If we, you know, if you can't pay your bills and you can have anxiety and then, of course, that can relate. It just, it just affects us that way. It affects us physically because it determines, like, how we're going to live and where we're going to live. And it also determines uh, the things that we can have or the things that we cannot have. It affects if you have responsibility for other people. It affects, for me, how I can take care of my family financial. Uh, Our financial situation is just has a huge effect on our life. The Bible addresses finances. uh, Arguably, it's the second most common topic in the Bible. Did you know that? It's mentioned over uh, finances and material possessions are mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. Here's a few examples of some biblical. Financial advice. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. This is good. Proverbs 23 4 says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Matthew 6 Do not store up for yourselves. I think, I, and I'd like to emphasize, do not. Store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Goes on to say, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some of you may have heard, uh, most of us probably have heard of Reverend Billy Graham, a Christian leader for such a long time. And he said about finances, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight... It will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. So finances are a big deal. Hold that thought. We are in the second week of a series called Resolve, starting the year off right. Today we're going to try to make some progresses, some progress on financial matters. Uh, and just a side note: if you want the best teaching we offer as a church regarding. The bulk of finances, again, Financial Peace University is something that you should sign up for. But I think we can make some progress today with one talk. Uh, We're going to look at some advice that Jesus ended up giving to a pretty wealthy young guy. Uh, The background, Jesus has been doing ministry. This young man comes to Jesus with some spiritual questions. When things get really serious, Jesus ends up addressing some things that really would affect possessions and financial situations. And so, let's pick it up in Matthew 19, 16. It says, Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life... Keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, pause for a minute. This is why I picked this text, because Jesus is raising the bar here. This guy's doing pretty well. Later in the text, it tells us that he was very wealthy. But Jesus is, says, I just like Jesus because he's not afraid to challenge. And he says, okay, 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 okay. You want to be, be perfect? You want to get serious about this? If you want to be perfect, Go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. From there, first of all, it's too big of a challenge for the man. Jesus also invites him to follow him as a disciple. but The guy ends up going away because he has this great wealth. And then in verse 23, Jesus says to his disciples, after the guy's gone away, he says, Truly I tell you, it is hard. For someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. title of the talk is The Hard Work of Money Management. And I want to unpack two challenges I see here that Jesus brings toward this man. Uh, Up front, I think probably a lot of us, these are going to be reminders. I think these are things that generally we work at. Maybe for some, they'll be brand new ideas. But they're the kind of things for me I just need to be reminded because these are super important. Uh, So I don't know that you'll get like a, whoa, that's brand new, but really important reminders. Um, And so we're going to look at two challenges Jesus brings from this uh, text to this young man. So let me pray. Oh, wait. No, let's not. Just kidding. (laughs) Did you bow your heads? (laughs) Losers. Uh, No, just kidding. While we're praying, uh, did he just call me a loser? Yeah, he did. (laughs) Will you think of your financial picture right now? Now, for some of us, you know, our pictures are smaller. (laughs) And others, like, it might be big, you know. But think of your financial picture. Because I think these things really can help us navigate. Whatever that financial picture is... With success, with spiritual intentionality about that picture. All right, okay. So now, bow your heads, you guys. No, or you whatever. God, will you help us speak into our financial picture? Whether our financial picture is kind of small, maybe it's huge. There could be people here that their financial pic- picture is really big. This stuff applies to us. So will you talk to us in Jesus' name? Amen two characteristics of jesus financial advice here the first one is this jesus financial advice stretches our generosity it stretches our generosity if you here on site there's a fill in the blank there you might want to fill in or if you're using our app there's a way you can fill that in verse 21 Where Jesus says to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. That's a challenge to the idea of generosity. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now we're going to get more into that in a moment. But I want to submit to you that this was probably a fairly stunning idea to this rich young guy. Um, side note, if you hang around Jesus very long, part of what he'll challenge us to do is arguably a little stunning because it's such a stretch. I've called these in the past, I never thought about that, moments. Here's the, here's the definition of a, I never thought about that moment. It's like when your mind blows, Jesus is like, what? Okay, or we're like, what, what did you just say, God? It's when Jesus introduces a spiritual challenge that is I'm going to say totally new. This happens if you get very close to God or if you read the scripture. Can I give you some examples? Here's one, mind-blowing. That's what I I feel. It says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. What? Are you kidding? Now, we've read that verse before, but when you really think about it, you're like, wait. wait, no." No. What? Okay, some of you didn't like that one. Matthew seven fourteen, is talking about heaven. And it says, small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, depending on your theological perspective, this may be new because you're thinking, wait, 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 wait. I think, I thought everybody... Right? Doesn't pretty much everybody goes to heaven? How many times have you been to a funeral where the pastor stood up and went, "Hey, just remember, you know, we should pray for Bill because he is hot right now." Right? We don't say that. Every free, right? Every funeral, we go, "Oh no, everybody's in a better place." Even if they were like a horrible cuss that no one liked at all, we're like, "Oh, better place." No? You did? Did you ever been to a funeral where? Are you guys getting this? We just generally as a culture, no matter who they are, what they did, well, there's a few exceptions, you know, if they're from Elkhart, but the no, that was I was kidding. Or if they're a Okay, sorry. Focus, Mark, focus. But Jesus clearly and this is new, Jesus and he's referring to, by the way, Jesus is the gate into heaven. And if you don't have his forgiveness in your life, you're going to pay for your own sin. Well, that's narrow. So those are like, what? I still remember, what are we talking about? Jesus ch- regularly challenges us with new spiritual ideas. Some of you didn't like that one. We'll try one more. Philippians 2.14. Blow your mind. Here's the command of God. Do everything. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. (laughs) Everything. Like, no way. (laughs) All right, so let's get back to our guy here in the story. This guy's been working hard, probably. We don't know all his background. Strategizing, doing so many things to become wealthy, and God interjects this mind-blowing idea, which is something like this. This wealth is not for you. All these possessions are not for you. You ought to sell them and give them to the poor. Now, this is a paraphrase. It may be something like, maybe God gave you all this ability, young rich dude. Maybe God gave you all this ability not for your promotion or your pleasure, but for your impact on the world. By the way, Jesus also invites this guy to be one of his disciples. The guy says, no. But Jesus says, come and follow me. Maybe God created you this way, dude, so that you could take all these skills and stuff and do something amazing, generous, and eternal. And I think for this man, it was a huge stretch to a fresh, new, too hard idea for him. Like, wait a minute. Here's a fill in the blank. Jesus invited this blessed man to think outside himself. This blessed man to think outside of himself. Stretching his idea of generosity. Get outside of yourself. So I'm going to try to make this applicable. I was trying to think in my life, have I had these kind of moments? This is my best uh, uh, recollection for me. My wife and I got married uh, mid-20s, and by God's grace and probably a little bit of self-discipline, by the way, if you have self-discipline, that's God's grace in your life. So uh, we, when we got married, uh, neither one of us had any debts. We both had some savings. So we had about, because I just kind of remember numbers, we had like $6,000 in savings to get started. And then we were double income, no kids, so it was easier to save. And so we saved about $20,000 the first year we were married. We put that down on our first house. Within five years, then, our house was paid for. So when we were 31, 32, we were uh, no no debt at all, and that was the situation we were in, which was... Uh, a good situation, maybe better than most situation at 31, 32 years old. And now in hindsight, and I also recall this during that time, remembering... So, there, <laughs> so there's two options. One is, now we have a good cash flow. Maybe Mark should start to buy some of the fun stuff he always wanted to buy. That's one option. Or maybe God put us in this situation So that we would be free to plant a church free from worry. Because when you plant and start a church, some of you don't know we started this church from scratch in our basement. Because when you're starting a church, there ain't no money and there ain't no people. There is no income. And here's what I would submit to you. That the better perspective in that situation, like God, when he was like poking at my life, was, Mark, your good financial position is not mostly about you. It's because I want you to do something for me. Or I want you to do something that will help other people. Does that make sense? And I watch many people, but not everybody, do this. They realize their good financial situation is not at all just for them. So they may end up like with a, a, an extra car. And they, they keep the car, not so that they can, but so that they can provide a vehicle for someone whose car is in the shop. Or something like that. Is that? Or they may be gifted at making purchases, so they may get this great deal on this thing. And instead of flipping it for profit, they give somebody else a great deal because they know that they they got a great deal. They pass it on to other people, or they use their gifts—not even financial, their abilities. Not primarily to help themselves, but to help other people. They live this gen, they, ha- they have this focus on it's not about me. That's what God challenges us to do. By the way, it's a fairly serious challenge. It could affect, according to some verses, affect all eternity. At the end of this conversation with the rich man, when the rich man actually leaves, Jesus says to his disciples, "It is." is He's telling his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the guy who just couldn't sell his stuff and he walked away. So we don't know exactly what happened with this man, but the indication if this is the end of this guy's life, he never made it to heaven because he was too focused on himself and selfishness. So, challenging question. Is my financial plan all about me Don't let it be. Just don't let it be all about you. Let me give you a couple hints as we wrap up this point. The first one is just think differently. Just think differently. Imagine your financial situation, your financial piece of the pie, this thing. this Make sure as you're slicing up that pie, don't eat all your own. Financial pie. Because it's not all for you. By the way, some of it probably is for you. You should have some pie. (laughs) And you should enjoy some stuff. But don't fall into the trap of this is all about me. Because it's really serious. It's seriously not all about us. So think differently and start early. Don't wait until you get to this income level or this thing. Or once we get this paid off, once we, you should start your generosity. Flex your generosity muscles early and often. And now, it's not something. Well, you just wait until after the kids are out of the house, or when I get married and become a real adult, or when, or when, or after I'm 25. But right now I'm 23, and at 23 there's no start now. So the first idea was. Jesus' financial advice stretches our generosity. One more. His advice emphasizes eternity. Emphasizes eternity. We're going to get to this idea of storing up treasures in heaven, but let me paint a picture first, something in my own life. I have on my dresser, I've had this little jar on my dresser for 25 years. It looks like this. It's a Harley fund. About this big, and it's empty. <laughs> but it hasn't been empty my, its its whole existence. Different times over the last twenty five years, because my strategy when I started this was, you know, I'll put twenty bucks in or extra fifty. But I would I will grow this, and eventually I will have uh, this uh, money to buy a Harley. And uh, at one point, I remember I had an over six grand. Uh, it wasn't all in the can. I th- th- put it someplace safe after that, but uh, but um, I remember having like six, and you know what's happened to my Harley fund consistently over the last 25 years? Two things. One, life, right? Tires for the car or blah, blah, blah. You know, life happened. But the other, and I haven't been great at this, but it's been fairly consistent, what I would call heavenly opportunities to give to something else. have just come up. So 10 years ago when we as a church started to support uh, some orphans in South Sudan whose life was way harder than a mine and we had an opportunity to build them a place to live, that just seemed, some of you are going to be really mad, you know, some of you Harley owners are going to be really mad, but I'm going to say in that moment, it just felt like the orphanage was more important than the Harley. And so you're like, you missed God, man. <laughs> I'm like, no, maybe. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like I was just, ah, and so like that, I remember that one because it was a big, that was back when it was getting up there, you know, like to the sixth grade. I'm like, maybe I'll get one. No, we will not get one. Okay. So, or another one was with our work in India, where we're now connected to this place where it's hard to plant a church and, 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 Share Christ in India, and we got this great partner, and so we're like, ah, well, we'll just dip into the fund and do that. Sometimes it's just been for little personal friends that were going through a difficult time, or it's just that thing. Now, here's what I would would say to you, as we get back to the text, it wasn't it wasn't mostly about a sacrifice. Oh gosh, I sacrificed. It really wasn't from a biblical perspective. I'm not giving up. Well, I'm I'm, I'm giving up something now. But a lot of the reason that I should do those things, it's because I'm storing up something that will happen, that will be amazing in the future. So back to our text. If you want to be perfect, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Giant mistake right here is if you don't go on with the rest of the verse. Because if you don't go on, it feels like Jesus is just trying to wreck this guy's material life. Hey, hi, my name's Jesus. Sell all your stuff and give it away. Oh, that sounds like fun. But that's not, what, that's not the primary vision behind what he's saying. You have to go on because he says, and, everybody say and. And you will have treasure in heaven easy to think that Jesus is trying to ruin this guy's financial future, when really he has his future in mind when he brings this challenge. You can write this in. Jesus' invitation wasn't mostly about taking a loss. It was about making a trade. It'd be a good investment. It's going to show up in the future In an amazing way, there's a quote from a man. His name's Jim Elliott. He is he passed away on the mission field. Uh, And if I just share this, some of you have heard this quote before, but in case you haven't, it's a good thing to kind of have in your heart. He said, "He is no fool." Who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Anybody heard that quote before? A few, okay. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's a good summary of this idea we see in this Bible story. You could think, oh, the rich guy, would have been he would have been crazy to sell all of his stuff and give to the poor. Uh-uh. Not today. It may have felt crazy back then. But right now, this guy would have had massive amounts of treasure in heaven. You know, one of the tragedies of this, oh, I won't go there yet. Let me give you a little theology. Some of us wonder, what in the world does God do all day? Here's one text that might give us a hint. Matthew 25, 34, Jesus is talking to people who are going to inherit eternity. And he says, come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you, there we go, since the creation of the world. So God, to paraphrase this, God is part of what he has been doing and has done, and maybe he is still doing, is he's preparing this eternal place of inheritance for you and me. Bad illustration. Here we go. I imagine when we get to heaven, there will be pole barns. There could be pole barns in heaven. But let's just pretend. So you have a pole barn in heaven. You know what a pole barn is? Garage. It's a garage. So, so something like this will sort of like this, will happen in heaven. If We get in through the grace of Jesus Christ. We get to somehow, you know, connect with God because of this idea of treasure in heaven stuff. We'll get to, I don't know if it'll be like this, but I can imagine like standing next to the Lord and you'll be like, hey, he never says hey. (laughs) He would never do that. Hey, (laughs) hey Lord. Anyway, but he would hand you the clicker. For the garage door, right? Because in heaven, it'll have an electric pole barn garage door. And he says, here's your clicker. And you do, and the garage will. Now, here's the deal. You know what we see inside is determined by what we do today. That, like, that's the way it works. You know, treasure, treasure. wow, Or, ah, oh. But Lord, it's empty. Yeah, I know that's what you got. Okay? Now, here's the tragic side of this story with the with the guy in the the guy in the story. Likely, he never even got to do the interaction about the pole barn. But how does how tragic would it be for this guy to get there and realize the opportunity he had of a lifetime to be generous and impact and and, and you know, the door goes up and look and think What was I thinking that I stored nothing up in heaven? Because by the way, all his material possessions eventually were not in his possession anymore. It's all gone. And so, like, pause and consider this question. What does my financial future look like? Not just your financial future here on this earth, but my eternal future. What does it look like? And of course, easy application here is let's just be people who have a good perspective on money, on possessions. Let's not live our whole life for this world because it's coming to an end. And let's work on our eternal treasure. Last fill in the blank. What will I do this week that will enhance my heavenly Inheritance. Yeah. Let's be a church family that encourages each, encourages each other in our, in our walk with God and in our willingness to share and sacrifice and all those things. Who knows, in heaven, it'll be fun to check out each other's pole barns. Wouldn't it be kind of fun? Like, hey, didn't you go to the Vineyard? Yeah, come here, look. ah." Come over to mine. Oh, well, no, we really don't want to look at mine. There was nothing there. You know, just to be good. Maybe we'll do that in heaven. Why don't you stand? We'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless, and see you next time.